You're listening to The Green Country, a fantasy storytelling podcast where each episode introduces a new character, creature, or facet of this fantastical land. These stories follow the course of Queen Alyssa's centennial tour of her kingdom. Every 100 years, the long-lived monarch travels throughout her overgrown forest realm, meeting its inhabitants and seeing its sights. Join me each week as we explore a new and fascinating aspect of this lush, expansive world. You can learn more at www.thegreen.country, and I invite you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Thanks for listening. Elissa and the Golden Goblin Long ago, when Queen Alyssa Lannan was a child and not yet a queen, a golden goblin stole into her family's sunroom one bright afternoon. She was sat on a woven tapestry rug in a beam of sunlight, playing absently with her brother Jort's toy soldiers. She found these more compelling than her horde of frilly dolls that seemed to multiply with the visit of each relative. She was alone, and the high window lay open to let in the fresh spring breeze which seemed to enliven everything it touched. The apple-green leaves of a wide tree shimmered outside the window in the wind, and she looked up, caught by the movement. Her eyes focused on a diminutive figure seated on the windowsill. If it were not for his small stature, the creature would have been far more fearsome Atop his head were two short red horns, and one of his large ears was pierced with several silvery hoops. His skin shone with the polished luster of bright gold. But it was his eyes which caught Elissa's attention, for one was like hers, with a pupil of black set amid a ball of white. The other, however, was a sphere of blackness, with a sliver of white for the pupil. The toy swordsman in her hands fell still, and she regarded this strange visitor with curiosity and some trepidation. Hello, she said. What are you? The goblin leapt to his feet with a sprightly hop and gave a small bow. He wore a richly checkered suit whose short sleeves and legs ballooned out, and fine yellow shoes that came to a spiral at the toes. "'I am a creature of great magical prowess, an uncanny master of enchantments and conjurations alike. Many throughout the land, and its long ages, have whispered my name with awe and fear. A Scridabarazzo!' He did a little flourish to supplement his grandiose introduction, and Alyssa smiled slightly at this. The imp looked up with a grin. You can call me Zoe, for short. Alyssa had gotten to her feet and now looked at the strange visitor intently. What have you come here for? she asked, suspicion overtaking her sense of wonder at this beguiling harlequin. Why, I'm I'm here to help you, of course. Alyssa's wariness was far from mollified by this simple explanation though the diminutive sprite appeared quite genuine in his claim. Help me how? 
Chief amongst my powers is my magnificent ability to fix anything which has broken. Elissa considered this a moment. It did strike her as a useful ability. Still, there has to be a catch here. There's always a catch to this sort of thing, she thought. That sounds well and good, but why, of all the people in the green country, have you chosen me to help? Zoe smiled a wide smile, revealing a row of perfect golden teeth. Why? Because you asked for help. I, I heard your call and turned up, ready to offer my assistance. Alyssa's brow scrunched as she tried to fathom what he could mean, but then he spoke again. Do you still have it here? The vase? And suddenly it dawned on her why he had come. Earlier that week, while trapped inside due to a rainstorm, she and Jort had raced through the house, caught up in a game of tag. The mad dash had come to an unfortunate end when Elissa knocked a glass vase from a high shelf after taking a corner too tightly in pursuit of her little brother. The vase had teetered for a moment. Then it plummeted to the wood floor, where it exploded into countless shards. At that moment, both children knew their game had come to an end. This was no simple decoration which Alyssa had decimated. The glass artifact had been in the family for generations, and had been crafted by one of their distant ancestors. The burden of guilt lay heavy on Alyssa, and she knew she had to tell her mother what had happened. Elissa had expected an intense scolding, or perhaps being sentenced to a room for a short eternity, but the consequences were far worse. The shattered vase elicited only deep disappointment from her mother, nearly bringing her to tears. Elissa was mortified her shame only compounded by the fact that she, the eldest child, had committed such a folly. That night, as she lay in her bed, Elissa thought of her crestfallen mother and whispered a desperate prayer out into the cosmos that by some miracle the vase might be made whole again. And now, before her stood the little golden goblin who had come to make things right. All of her caution evaporated in the presence of the possibility that she might somehow restore the vase to its original state. She raced from the sunroom to the shelf where the vase had originally stood and retrieved the small wooden box that contained its myriad of fragments. She had painstakingly collected every bit of glass she could find, feebly hoping that by some concentrated effort and plenty of glue, she could succeed in fixing the vessel. She and Jort had attempted such triage, which proved utterly hopeless. But now, a new possibility had arisen. The sorceress Zoe had promised such an impossible reconstruction with casual confidence. She burst into the room bearing the box and thrust it beneath the nose of Zoe, who sat comfortably reclining against the window frame. "'Can you fix it?' asked Elissa, her eyes fiery. Of course I can. It'll just take a moment. He raised a small hand, which was replete with a variety of ornate jeweled rings of all the shades of the rainbow, and several that Alyssa could not name. He drew back his arm in a motion which preceded his grand casting, 
but then froze and looked up from the box to meet Alyssa's wide eyes. If this vase I mend, then in your service I shall be until time does end. He said this not in a threatening way. More so, he seemed to honestly communicate an important clause or natural consequence to his favor. The prospect of the restored vase and of her esteem in the eyes of her mother overpowered Alyssa's better judgment. Ignoring Zoe's rhyme of ramifications, she replied, Do it. As you wish, said Zoe politely, and the goblin resumed his graceful gesticulations. The particles of glass rose slowly from the box, swirling in a little vortex, like a miniaturized galaxy. With wonder, Elissa watched as fragment met fragment, and a brief glow pulsed as the sundered bits were reunited. Within a matter of moments, the shattered vase was reconstituted into its former state, flawless and beautiful. Zoe handed her the vessel and flashed her a satisfied smile. Not bad, eh? Incredible, said Elissa in an awed whisper. I'm going to put it on the shelf. Better to let my mother discover it on her own than try to explain things. A prudent choice, I might say. And so Alyssa raced from the room once more and soon returned to Zoe, who waited patiently for her. That was fun, he said. What else have you got that I can fix? Elyssa considered this for a moment and then rummaged through a crate of her personal effects and began to set some items aside. By the end of the afternoon, Zoe had fixed a doll with a broken leg, a paintbrush which had snapped in two, a shoe whose button had fallen off, and two of Jort's toy soldiers. She racked her brain, trying to think of other things which Zoe could repair, while he sat patiently in the window. Presently, her mother called that dinner was ready, and she turned to Zoe. I've got to go eat. Thank you so much for your help, Zoe. I can't tell you how much it means to me. Zoe grinned with happiness and a bit of pride. All in a day's work, I suppose. And Alyssa disappeared from the room, down the stairs to eat her supper. She returned several hours later, and there was Zoe, still resting on the windowsill. Ah, you're back. Great. What else can I help fix? he asked, hungry for a new challenge. Alyssa concealed her surprise at his continued presence and feigned a yawn. I'm actually awfully tired, Zoe. I think I'm going to go to sleep, but maybe I'll think of some more things to fix tomorrow. Zoe nodded understandingly, and Alyssa walked to her and Jort's bedroom, a knot of worry growing in her stomach. She thought back to Zoe's words. If this vase I mend, then in your service I shall be, until time does end. And feared that he had spoken truthfully and literally. She drifted into an uneasy slumber, uncertain of how she would face Zoe in the morning. When she awoke, he was balanced on the post at the foot of her bed, and looked at her calmly and expectantly. 
Her eyes were wide with shock at his appearance there, but he seemed not to notice this. Ah, you're awake. What can we fix today? asked Zoe cheerily. Elissa quickly looked over to Jort, who was stirring from his slumbers, a cold panic running over her. Zoe seemed to have understood her concern, and he offered some reassurance. Don't worry, he can't see me. Just call me the Hidden Helper. The weight of Alyssa's new predicament was dawning on her, and with some resignation, she pulled herself from her bed, prepared for a day of looking for new things to fix. After breakfast, they conquered Alyssa's closet, and she made great use of Zoe's skills in mending every last hole and errant thread she could find in her wardrobe. Jort's closet was next, and his clothing proved a gold mine of holes, rips, and broken stitches. The following day, she and Zoe did a tour of the house, the ancestral home of the Lannan family. It was an ancient house, both decrepit and lovely, magnificent and askew. There was plenty that Zoe could fix, but Elissa explained to him that the old manor wouldn't be itself without a few creaky floorboards, cracked ceilings, and drafty windows. The Golden Goblin didn't seem to understand the logic behind this, though he was accepting of Alyssa's instruction. Later that week, in the garden, Alyssa set him to task repairing a crumbled stone wall that spanned the circumference of their sprawling property. She was pleased at this stroke of cleverness on her part, as she had asked him to not only repair the wall, but also restore each stone to its original state. Zoe jumped into the work with gusto, clearly thrilled at a more meaty challenge. The next morning, Elissa awoke to find him once more seated at the foot of her bed. The goblin was positively beaming. I stayed up all night working, Elissa. The wall is better than new. Elissa whimpered a thank you and sank back under the covers, at a loss for what to do next. She spent the day looking through any drawer, cupboard, or unfrequented shelf in search of any objects that might hold Zoe's attention for even a short time. After several hours of listless searching, Elissa had discovered a handful of bent nails, a cracked mirror, and several other minor items. She was losing hope as she opened one more forgotten drawer. There inside, she spied a curious item, a pocket watch given to her father many years ago. They had all marveled at the mechanical wonder, a gift from some visiting dignitary from one of the larger outland kingdoms. Such devices were uncommon in a backwater realm like the green country. Elissa's father had carried the ornate item for only a short time, until he had cracked its glass face while out on a hunt one day. All for the better, he had said. I never liked telling time, nor did I like time telling me what to do. And so into this disused drawer it had gone. As Elissa picked up the finely crafted item, an idea blossomed in her small, clever head. She returned to the sunroom where Zoe was waiting expectantly, and presented him with the spoils of her search, save for the pocket watch. He eagerly set to his magical repairs, and Alyssa spoke with measured casualness. 
I'm going to go for a walk outside. I'll be back soon. Zoe nodded, barely hearing her, as he had already begun to focus on his magical restorations. Elisa left the room, quickly headed down the stairs and out of their front door. She knew exactly where to go. She raced down the path from their home, heading into the heart of Tarnsburn, the town where the Lannans had dwelled for many generations. The river Truon wound its way through the little burg, and it was towards a bridge that spanned this waterway Elissa now hurried. It was late afternoon, and there was heavy traffic moving across the busy stone bridge, villagers on foot and carts bearing all manner of goods. Yet none of these folk thought to notice the little girl who stood at the side as she removed several items from her pockets. She took the watch out and one of the nails she had found earlier and pried off the back of the ornate timepiece. A complicated mesh of gears and cogs greeted her, and for a moment she was overwhelmed. But sharp of eye was Alyssa, and she spied one tiny cog which could easily be removed. Gingerly, she plucked out the dainty metal gear and then placed it between her lips so as to free up her hands once more. Quickly, she snapped the back of the watch back on and then tucked it into her pocket and then drew forth a stick and some string. With great care, she lashed the tiny gear to the stick, looping the string through and around the metal piece until she was certain it was well secured. Then... With a desperate hope, she hurled the twig into the rushing river below. May it be carried far, far away, thought Alyssa. She returned home, her heart full of trepidation. She was beginning to doubt her plan would work. Cautiously, she entered the sunroom and found Zoe patiently waiting in the window. He smiled amiably when she entered and gave her an update. All finished, he said, gesturing to the plethora of repaired items she had left him with. Wonderful, Zoe. Many thanks to you. I've one more item which is in great need of repair. And Elissa produced the watch from her pocket, handing it to the golden goblin. Zoe examined the watch's cracked glass facing and flashed an easy smile. My, it's a beautiful piece. I'll have it fixed. No problem. He flourished his ringed fingers and the glass was repaired. He handed the watch back to Alyssa, who smiled, and then tried winding it. She tried at this for several moments and then spoke, adding the slightest hint of disappointment to her voice. Hmm, it's still not working, Zoe. The great Escritobarazzo cocked an eyebrow, surprised at this unlikely development. I'm sure it's nothing. Let me see it for a moment. And so she handed him the watch, and he examined it with a scrutinizing gaze. Every part is in perfect condition. I simply can't fathom what could be the problem. It pained Alyssa a little to see good-natured Zoe questioning his talents, so she offered him an idea. Perhaps you could try moving its hands. Do you know how to keep time? Does the marvelous Zoe know how to keep time? Of course I do. I'm accurate down to the tiniest fraction of a moment, my dear. Allow me to demonstrate. And with that, 
Zoe suddenly shrunk down to the point of invisibility and disappeared into the bowels of the watch. Seconds later, the timepiece began to tick happily, the hands moving with precise, measured movement. That's amazing, Zoe! You've done it! You've fixed the watch! A tiny voice echoed from the brass casing of the chronograph. Of course I have! The mighty Zoe can fix anything! But can you keep it going? asked Elissa, a tone of concern edging into her voice. With pleasure! cried Zoe, and on the watch ticked. And on it ticked, through the ages of her life, through her adolescence, and even now, as queen of the green country. Elissa leaned against a tree at the side of the road, surveying the carriage. Her coachman, Netcher, emerged moments later from beneath the conveyance, a grim look on his face. I'm afraid the axle is cracked, milady. Durkee groaned in the background. This truly was a great inconvenience. Alyssa's thoughts drifted for a moment to her father's pocket watch, which lay ticking joyfully in her traveling bag. The marvelous Zoe could have this fixed in moments, mused Alyssa. But then she thought better of herself. A busy goblin is a happy goblin. Best to fix this the old-fashioned way. If you like what you just heard, be sure to visit www.thegreen.country for more great content, including beautiful illustrations, detailed character descriptions, and much more. The Green Country is also on Patreon, where a small monthly pledge will give you access to extra content, like an illustrated PDF of the story you just heard. Whether you back this project financially or simply share it with a friend, you can help this vibrant land continue to grow. Once more, that's www.thegreen.country. Thanks for listening!